What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another installment of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Coming off an enormous win this past Tuesday night, a game deep into the night, even in a game where the Dogs almost got screwed over. And we'll dive into this massive win against the Oklahoma State Cowboys for the second year in a row, earning us our fourth straight year of beating a Power Six opponent. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, Tuesday night was one of the funnest games we can remember, to be honest. Most fun, funnest. Uh, the atmosphere was fantastic. And it bled into this game, which we knew we had a chance in. You know, whether both of us picked, one of us picked us to win, one of us picked us to lose. Rightfully so. Can't really, you know, go against anything like that. It was, again, a game we liked coming in, but we knew we had a chance in this. And it was dicing near the end in a lot of different ways, but we got the job done. What's going on? Yeah, obviously a big win. I mean, keeping that home winning streak alive and really a great atmosphere. Um, trying to think, I think it was just over 5,600. I think 5,610 was the final number for people there. And it was a really good crowd. I mean, Dog Pound showed out once again. Um, then now they're running a bunch of ticket specials. Uh, I think all the dollar tickets are sold out for USI, UIC games, but there's $2, and then I think 3 4 and 5 A lot of stuff going on. A lot of people need to get out and see this team because there's a, some home games coming up. But, yeah, all, uh, really a ref show coming off the football game last weekend, a really bad ref show in this one. Yeah, it's like, why is everybody trying to screw SIU over in multiple facets? And as you said, football, no doubt. This game, no doubt. We'll we'll dive into that near the end. But, yeah, it's a good number for attendance, and it was loud throughout everything leading up to it. And, of course, leading up to this game, we tweeted before when we got there for pregame that we knew Sheridan was close this week, fully practicing, and he was dressed and warmed up, and we thought there was a glimmer of a chance he could have played. He was dunking in the pregame warm-up, so – He's so close, and they weren't going to throw him in. Imagine your first game being against Oklahoma State, of all things. So we know we're fine without him right now, but he'll be he'll be right into this mix as soon as he's officially a go. We know Jarrett's still out. We'll have a piece on Jarrett here, Noah, that you brought to my attention. We asked around about Jarrett, and there's a, a document that kind of talks about his story. We'll just talk about that near the end. And as we know, A.J. Ferguson still week to week has something on his right foot. Um and he will not play or he has not played and probably won't for a little bit, probably until after probably the New Year's. I think we can expect AJ to play again. Hopefully I'm wrong. So KD got the start as of course. And we talked about, you know, KD was not himself against Indiana State. And he's been really, really great the last two games. You mentioned the the deals they're doing for these next couple, one, two, three, four, five dollar tickets for UIC and USI here near the end of the month. Uh, but everybody definitely needs to show up and watch this team. And like we've said from the get-go, people need to come show out for this team in these against whoever they're playing. Just come out and show. Because if, you, if you're if you loud and everything that, you know, what they're sold on in the portal, what they're sold on as freshmen from the staff of how great this place is, you show that, the confidence is there, and they keep doing what they're doing. So 24 straight knocked on home Ws, yes. So, no, from the get-go, though, this game – it was, it was really back and forth. I want to say someone initially said there's maybe 15 lead changes or something like that. And uh, it was it was a dogfight, as it was last year. And, of course, the the final result indicated that in terms of like a one like one possession difference in both games. But, no, this continues to be a season of Xavier Johnson. And he was incredible once again, but he didn't have the best start. He, had, he got two early fouls, which were kind of bad. 
and then he was he was getting to the rim and his like kind of you know he gets the extended layup on the right side he wasn't getting that to fall he was turning it over and again well, on top of the foul if it wasn't the best start for him wasn't the best start for Clarence um you know from the get-go I mean they started who we figured Javon Small is Oklahoma State did Javon Small is every bit of a stud I wish we would have caught him years ago he had definitely can play in the Big 12 uh we know Bryce Thompson all these boys were there um know if I'm looking at the first half stats and obviously what we liked there was something we didn't like near the end of the first half and you can dive into that because you were adamant throughout the game and it definitely made sense of one of the few things that went wrong there and what Brian and staff should have done what else did you like in the first half I mean like I said X started sewing it up with 19 thanks to a lot of free throws I guess that was the name of it a lot of fouls and then notably know when they were able to tie it at halftime due to that that bad spurt of coaching and mismanagement. What else did you like through the first half and how this game was going? Yeah, definitely a tough start. I mean, X picking up two fouls. I mean, the trust, uh, the trust of Brian leading his, leaving his guy in there for playing as long as he did. Um, then seeing guys like, I mean, Kennard, Kennard did his thing a little bit. He struggled a little bit. Him and Clarence were a worse plus minus in that first half. Uh, Clarence struggled get, struggled a little bit from the get-go i mean they have two goons down there um in marsh and garrison who they start um to deal with but really i mean you got to see scotty a little bit but struggled shooting in that first half i mean not only nine of 23 i mean the thing i didn't like is i talked about it is i seen way too much of uh guys standing around and watching on the rebounds i mean they outrebound us by 10 they got 30 attempts in the first half. So they got seven extra, seven extra possessions that we could have definitely had too many turnovers in that first half too. But uh, we weathered the storm. I mean, Trent Brown hitting, hitting two threes. And I mean, yeah, X, I mean, right now there's, I haven't seen a lot of guards that uh, we struggle to stay in front of JMU's guards, but we haven't seen a lot of guards that can stay in front of him because he's just breaking people left and right and picking up fouls. And yeah, that end of the first half with foul trouble, him, him and Troy both were too late. They they took him out for defense, which was obviously a great move. Um, then I think it was I'm trying to think. Garrison got to the line maybe, and he we could have easily with I think it was 17, 19 seconds left could have put those guys back in for offense because um, obviously we're not going to play. Probably we'll milk it out and get the final possession of half with a chance to be a two possession lead instead of being only up to but they didn't put those guys back in which I was kind of surprised by I thought it was poor coaching there to in the half then um the guys that they subbed in allowed an offensive rebound then Bryce Thompson gets a jumper there in the half and there it is tied I mean you we, we were right there where we wanted to be you're in a in a fight and making it ugly and that's what it was yeah and you said in the moment it could have been definitely the case I mean definitely by how poorly ref the end of this game was those two points for sure mattered and you're right it was a x and troy were both on the bench and it's 100 the right thing to always do is if you got a guy you don't want to get foul sure you take him out for defense especially yeah he was shooting free throws you take him out it's like they wanted to what were they they were kind of having trey come in for a second and then they pushed him back or whoever it was and it's okay they wanted to make the move there and even when they did 
you don't put him back in whenever we have the dead ball. And because clearly when X comes out, it's kind of a free for all to an extent. So when he did come out, um, yeah. And then you get the ball back and you mismanage on the offensive end. I want to say we turned it over or something. And then he continued to stay out. And then it led to, they got a shot. They got an offensive rebound that Yovan couldn't get. And whoever we, we said in the moment, yeah, like Troy probably gets that rebound. And then they got the ball out uh, into the three-point line. And then, yeah, Bryce Thompson got a floater. And that's how the first half ended. So it was poorly coached for sure. You need to – because clearly X ain't going to go – I mean, you can get offensive fouls if you're so worried about that. It's like, well, I think he's smart enough and knows that he's not going to do that. So it's like, sure, you can need the extra rest, but he's allowed to get 15 minutes of rest here at halftime. So definitely should have put him back in. And the did cost us two points with him and Troy not getting that rebound, as we said. So that was really the biggest thing to harp on, as you said, too, like – the, the managing of minutes. I mean, Scotty, because Garrison and Marsh, we talked about Musa was so, as, as we said, like discombobulated. He was kind of the reason why they lost the game last year. And then this year they got Garrison, a freshman, and then Marsh. Uh, and they had that seven foot one freak athlete guy who still didn't play in this game, but dressed and they were massive. But those guys, you know, we were kind of – and Clarence struggled in that reason. So, okay, let's put Scotty in. Scotty had a reverse layup in this game. He had a block in this first half, uh, or I guess that was in the second half. But just the fact that, like, what we needed against those bigs, because other than that, their guard play was the main thing. And Javon Small, as we said, was a absolute stud. So we shot 39% in the first half, 47 from three. That's four of seven, but 39 overall. That definitely changed in the second. So X ended up with those 19 first half points, like we said, mostly from the free throw line. Uh, Kennard, yeah, and you said Clarence, those two were worse min- plus minuses. But either way, and then, you know, we'll just dive into – clearly, again, it was back and forth throughout. I mentioned that's when Scotty got his block. That's when a lot of things happened, and there were, there were clutch plays. But let's talk about the ref show, as you mentioned earlier, not only because there was a, a goaltend two points that they ended up taking off. There was a, a weird just review at one point in the second half. All of a sudden, Steve Fallett says they're taking off two points, and we're like, what the heck is this? So at that point, what it was – because we were had a healthy six- to ten-point lead through there through the second half, and they started to push back, and then that two points came off. Next thing you know, it was pretty much tied. Uh, so they screwed up so many, like – obviously, there were some bad foul calls along the way. Uh Manoa, the stretch there where Troy got two, and when we needed these defensive possessions, Troy was massive, got two huge blocks in the corner um, that, you know, obviously stopped the clock and gave us time to reset as a defense. And then, Noah, he got – after his second, though, because Javon Small got teed up in the part of the game after he got a layup. He did it to X or something. He got teed up. We had points there. And then – because Brian said after the game, after T- Troy got this next foul – they kind of equated it to uh, Javon Smalls at the start of the game. It's like, well, they're not even close to each other in terms of how they are. So after Troy got the second tech, then you, they get free throws there, two points, and the ball. So, no, here we are. We're already fast forward to the end here, and we'll dive throughout, and we'll just get into the box score. But 10 seconds down one, and how many chances they get here – and they, you know, of course, Javon Small has been dominating all game. Kennard got, guarded him. I mean, Kennard was playing with so much confidence in this. He hit a three in this game, blah, blah, blah. Guarded him, though. Javon Small got to the rim, missed it. Uh, and there was tip-outs, tip-outs. And then, what, no, we got – I mean, how did this How did this game end with so many of these – they gave them every chance in the world at the very end. They, they truly did, not only after the tech and whatever, but stopping the clock so many times and everything. What else happened there? 
that annoyed everybody at the end of the game that made it what it was before we initially got the win. Yeah, obviously, I mean, the tech was ridiculous. I mean, if you watch the replay, he was towards his towards his bench, and it just – I mean, obviously, as – you got to know that kind of situation to be a little bit smarter, but uh, there's nothing – I, I, there's nothing Troy could have done elsewise. I mean, I'm glad glad he did it. And yeah, then at the end, I mean, we get we get Kennard Davis to get a rebound, um, and he played his ass off in this one. He goes the line, makes the first one, so you're up, you're up two, um, with it was under under a second left, and obviously, I think he purposely missed the the second one to run out the clock, but. This is one where I guess somehow they got a timeout um, out of it, and they put uh, I think I think it was point five on the clock when he was shooting his free throw, and they put it back at like point point four or something like that. And it was just just one of those things like there's no way possible that only that little of time came off the clock, um, and this is just one of those that just kept never ending games that it's just ridiculous and for them to review i mean they just i mean it's like they just really wanted to really wanted to screw us in this one and help the other team out but definitely one of those when you go back and look at it and see i mean there's there's a there's an ncaa rule that they didn't even use in this one that at least 0.3 seconds has to come off in every live ball situation. So even if there was time left, it should have been like 0.2 and they would not even got a shot off. But luckily Scotty checked in, was guarding ball and tipped it and it was ball game. I'm surprised they didn't review it with zeros on the clock anyhow. Yeah, I just, especially if they're not going by the rule book. I mean, they were just kind of in their own way discombobulated. I mean, uh, we always say, Mary, what's the, I mean, I'm trying to think of the refs' names. We've had so Amy many times. Bonner, Amy Bonner, and Rodney's talked to her in interviews before and stuff. But she had a rough stretch there. We mentioned the tech, and then some other again. And that's how it is with any ref, no matter who it is. That there are bad calls, and they all have bad stretches. But the fact that they didn't go off the rule book, rule book, as you just said, they were kind of they were given a, a higher level team another chance. That's the only thing we can think of because. There should not have been as as much time as the clock, and they were saying that Mike Boynton got these timeouts off. It's like no, we didn't. And then they tried to just give them as many chances as possible. You're right, Scotty came and guarded the inbounds, and that's how it ended finally. But there are at least three different chances where we thought the game was over. Luke Martin's calls that they were showing, it's like, well, wait a minute, and there's like they have it been like two or three times. So nonetheless, we got the job done in one of the craziest, most fun games imaginable. But uh, I mean, in this game, Qon Williams he had ten points. He was five of nine, just. He had 10 rebounds himself, and they out-rebounded us by 19. I mean, that's that's kind of what we expected in this game, but overall it was kind of like, you know, they were they were huge, and they got those they got those chances. Uh, it's crazy how you can win a game and get out-rebounded by almost 20. You just find ways in these. Uh, but Keon Williams was good in this game, Noah. I mean, Jarius Hicklin came in, hit four threes. He was 50% on the game, number four. I mean, he came in and just lit it up. He had a stretch there in the, in the second half where it's like, okay, now there's – that was whenever we had like a healthy 10 point lead and he started to make threes. Next thing you know, it got as close as it did. So, and then John Michael Wright came in, struggled a lot uh, on defense. And then they had uh Jamarion Keller, Cameron Dow, a lot of different guys come in trying to guard X, but it didn't matter. X lived in the paint in this game outside of free. He only shot two free throws in the second half 
and only made one three. So he got a lot of his points in the paint. When those drives started to go, he was doing spin moves, finger rolls, everything you could imagine, which just reminds me. I mean, clearly the big parts of this game, though, they got it before it all. I didn't want to, like, admit, you know, when X got a massive steal near the end and had a layup, that helped us when it was really, really close. And then, of course, Clarence's and one after X missed a missed a layup and he missed the free throw, but still an and one for sure that when it was tied, giving us the lead and then sparked near the end of that game, you said Kennard definitely missed that final one. So a lot of things happened in this game. Again, one of the more fun ones, it's honestly fun to go watch back. I don't know how we can since it was on CBS Sports Network. It's not on ESPN Plus, but I would love to go back and watch this game again. Uh, So X ended up with 32 points. We'll get to a stat here in a second of what he's doing now along the whole country. Clarence ended up definitely bouncing back after his rough start, 13 points, five rebounds. Trent, four threes, four of five from three. He also ranks now back up there in three-point percentage across the country. Yeah, Kennard scored points minus five, but he had eight rebounds. And he got called for a foul when he got behind Small and blocked him from behind. They called a foul because Small was not going to miss his free throws. We mentioned Scotty's game. Yovan played fine. He had a big corner three when Williams came in, talked crap to him, and then hit it right in his eye. And then, of course, Troy only had two points, but he had two of the biggest plays of the game. So uh, just a massive game from uh, – which that's the thing. It doesn't count as a second block on the stat sheet because he got the tech on top of it. So it doesn't even say he has two blocks, which is crazy how all that works. But – no, what else I got to you by the end of this game? Clearly, I mean, I'll say, or you can say it as well, what X is doing now at the start at the so far during this season, of course, during this, I mean, the three games in particular against the higher up opponents that he's doing this against and where he now ranks in the country. What else took out to you by the end of this game? And who's your dog of the game? Besides X, we said this again, besides X, who would be your dog of the game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, seeing X, what he's doing, it's just almost getting – I mean, what he's doing is just unreal, and this, the level – he I mean, he's getting big-time people starting to talk about him. I mean, there was a Jeff Goodman tweet today and stuff like that. Seeing that, um, just incredible to see the step and the leadership he's taking. I mean, getting to, we're starting to get the line. We, I talked about a little bit. Starting to get the line – I mean, he X is probably the main reason, but getting a line to 22 times of the team, X was 15 of those. As, I mean, Clarence got – went well in this game in the second half, had some really had a tough start, but had really good, really good stretch where um, he was finally starting to be a little bit aggressive. Um, Then, I mean, we're shooting 47% from three, only shot 15 of them this game, Um, only had seven bench points. So if you're beating a a power five team with your bench doing very little, I mean, Jovan had some key minutes and had some, had a key turnaround where we're like, Oh, he's got that in his bag. Um, pretty cool to see. Um, if I were going to dog of the game, I will go Trent Brown. I mean, he's top five in the country in three point percentage. I mean, big 12 points. This is the Trent Brown. We knew, we knew he was in there and I expect somewhere down the line and potential one of these final non-con games where I think, I think there's a Butler game coming for Trent. He's shooting at an all time high. And if he can just get going, they're going to continue running stuff and feed him. I will say Trent because he he guarded his butt off. He got small a little bit. Um, he had Bryce Thompson a lot, but uh, four, five, and three. If we're getting 12 points out of Trent Brown, we're going to be just fine in this one. We'll say Kennard, I mean, stepping up with A.J. out, uh, eight rebounds. He would dive on the floor, had some steals, had an assist, had key four points. Um, 
big time by Kennard. He just gets keeps getting better and better. Still need some from other guys. I mean, Scotty barely got to play, but he was aggressive in the minutes he he got. He got an early offensive foul for no reason, trying to just they were just banging down low and got called for an offensive foul. Still not very much out of Trey Miller. Didn't even see RJ McGee in this one, but yeah, definitely I'll go with Trent Brown, but X is I seen it and we talked about it, but I said at the game, Kimball Walker esque type of games he's been putting up. He's just putting us on his back, but definitely, I mean, if you do want to go back and watch it, I checked it while you mentioned it. It is on YouTube. So if anybody wants to go back and watch this game, you can. I will definitely probably do that after we're done filming here or something here before long, just because even my, my parents watched it and they thought it was great. Obviously, I'm watching on those and we know a lot, some other people that were. Watched on TV too. It's just, it's a great watch. So I will definitely go do that. Um, but you mentioned, I mean, Trent for sure, he's averaging around 10 points. I mean, this is the best he's ever been. He's shooting like 56% from three on the season, which is top five in the country. It's like this. And it's great that he's doing this because as you said, they're mentioning the, the depth of the guys we don't have and have to rely on Kennard so much. If we had AJ, this would all take care of itself in its own way. Having him involved for sure. And when Sheridan comes back, if he plays, it's like, okay, to where you can phase out a little bit of, and we've said before, Trey's a sophomore, but you had to come in here and be better than you are. That's for sure. And RJ, again, that's something else. So if those guys aren't going to play, we need these guys to come in here and do good in terms of all that. Everything. We just got to get a little bit healthy, but it's Jeff Trent's doing that. It's, it's unbelievable. And segueing to X now. So through these eight games, he now leads the nation in scoring with 24.2 points per game. There was a Hofstra player that ended up fading out, I think, because he missed a game, so he wasn't involved. This is through eight games. Xavier Johnson leads the country in scoring. That's over Zach Eady. That's over others. Right ahead of him is X. He leads the nation with 330 or more point games. And I said earlier against the higher of opponents, that is against James Madison, against SLU, and against Oklahoma State. If you told somebody else he did this against this, then they'd say no chance. I mean, he got really close against, you know, the other teams we played at the start of the year too. But it, I mean, it's people say, where was this last year? And again, it shows, I mean, my dad even told me when he was watching the game, the ball moves differently with this team as it does, as we expected it to. It's like, and we see what Marcus and Lance are doing tremendous things where they're at. Marcus just had 33 the other night as well. And it's like, those guys are so great. You need them the ball to where a guy like X if he's got, if he had the ball more in his hands, we would have saw a touch of this. It's just, it's, it's, it's the obvious. So everyone keeps talking about it. It's like, well, he's got the ball more in his hands. This is what happens when you are a talented player. This is what happens. And his mo and his thirty eight against James Madison is still the most by any player in a game in the NCAA this season too. So he holds all of that to his name. I mean, he's clearly on mid major All American status. He's not going to be. We've mentioned the Bob Cousy awards and stuff like that, and he's clearly put on his. He's can at least be a finalist. They put like 15 players on those. So he could be up for that. He could, of course, be, as we said, he's clearly a running for player of the year in, in the Missouri Valley if he keeps this up. People have talked about how they'll have tape on him and they'll do whatever. But I'm saying if they can't stay in front of him and they're giving him fouls against Oklahoma State guards, I think he'll do just fine against Valley guards, even though we know he struggled and the whole team did against Indiana State's. But against other teams, I would expect X to still get his. So, again, his trajectory is just phenomenal. And again, it's even more impressive that he came off the injury that he did, dealt with all summer, and he's and he's doing this. That's what's most impressive to me. Off injury, doing incredible, incredible things. So, 
those other stats too, I think we're up by like 0.8 percentage points and three points, three point percentage at this point last year than we were last year. So it's a lot of that depth of stuff Luke Martin posted about. So 24 straight non-con W's. This was the rough stretch. Now we need to take care of it the rest of the way. Uh, Noah, let's talk about what other team. We know there was that second Valley game matchups, uh, whether we talked about them already or not, but what else has everyone else done the last couple of days along with what they have coming up here? Yeah, Tuesday night, um, we were tracking all these games. Bradley went to Akron and got their butts beat. 67-52 loss for the Braves. They were without Connor Hickman, obviously. Talked about him. But just guys that aren't stepping up. I mean, Duke Dean had 14. Levy struggled. 3 of 10, only at 8.6 rebounds in this one. I mean, Birch, 1 of 7 off the bench. Davis, 1 of 6. I mean, they're just struggling right now as a team. Expect Brian Waldo to figure something out. Um, but Enrique Freeman had 21 points, 18 rebounds against a very big – I mean, they started their 7-1 guy. And Leon's at Hannah, you had 21 and 18. That's impressive for a guy from Akron. Then Missouri State lost an OT, had, had, it, had, a, good, had a good chance to win this game, but lost an OT at Middle Tennessee State. Um Austin Mason, 28 points for the Bears in this one. A guy we were in on in the portal or thought could potentially come to here at one time, Elias King for the Blue Raiders. Uh, they get He gets 22 points in that game, so he takes down the Bears for us. Um, Indiana State goes on the road and destroys NIU, a really good basketball team, has a chance to win the MAC this year, 90-67. to 67. I mean, Swope. 27 and 10 and 4. Larry at 13 and 6. Kent at 12 and 8. Conwell 15, 7 and 5. Robbie had 12 and 4. I mean, this team is just continues to evolve and get better and better. Then Evansville goes out to Provo and gets blown out by top 14 team in the country, BYU. 96 55. Toomey led the way, 13 points in that one. This guy struck Strawbridge 3 of 10. Hummer Chases. I mean, everybody knows who. Ben is now, so he's getting their best targets. And so on that one, then on Wednesday, Valpo goes on the road and play, plays a really tight game. Had a chance to win this one late, but uh, Central Michigan beats Valpo 71-67. Drake had this one loss against SLU. We thought, oh, oh boy, SLU, big win on the road for us. I mean, it was 41-25 SLU at halftime, but those guys are just – we talked about it a little bit. I mean, Jimerson, 23 points. They're just kind of giving up on Travis Ford at this point and getting outscored 50 to 28 in the second half. Um, just, I mean, Tucker, Anton Wright, and Overton really stepped up. 10, 10, and 5 for Tucker, 3 of 12 shooting, 2 of 7 from 3. He's struggling a bit. Illinois State gets a win over Northern Kentucky, 62 59. Kendall Lewis led the way in that one. Belmont gets a Nashville. Rival win over Lipscomb, 72-71. Got a little – I mean, they were up 44-26, outscored 45-28 in the second half. Got almost blew it, but they came back. I gets a big win over Richmond. Don't think Richmond as good as a team as they have been in the past, but 78-73 win over an A-10 school. Then on today, UIC is at Jacksonville State right now, currently up 23-18 in that one. Then this weekend – Valpo at Virginia Tech, that'll be a blowout. USI plays Indiana State, that'll be a blowout. 
U and I travels Toledo. Toledo's really good. Uh, Norfolk State, Illinois State, Sam Houston, Missouri State. Murray State travels to Austin P. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Nevada Drake should be a good one. Belmont gets a crack at Middle Tennessee, so that'll be interesting. Then everybody else don't anybody else doesn't play till Tuesday when we come here into action where it's Green Bay UIC. Keep an eye on that one. See how Foster does. And those guys, then Prairie View and Northern Iowa on that Tuesday night. So a lot going on, a lot of things. Just one thing I want to jump into Valley-wise is uh, net ratings, Indiana State's all the way up to – they dropped a little bit. They dropped to 14 when they won, but they're dropped to 18 right now. I mean, if you would have told me on December 8th they'd be in the lines of Florida Atlantic – Kansas, Alabama. I know they played Alabama. They're they're above Illinois, Wisconsin, Virginia. I, it would have been like holy crap. They are just gonna run away with this conference, and that's what it's looking right 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 now. Yeah, again, we were following all the games that were going on with us. You know, the Evansville BYU spread was what twenty four and a half, and we were debating. You know, in general, if somebody would take this plus or minus, and I was like, eh, BYU's top in the net. They're really good. I don't know about that. And then uh, it proceeded to lose by 41. And then, yeah, Indiana State – Northern Illinois is a good team, and Indiana State drubbed them. So, um, again, it's just that all, that kind of offense plays. And, again, if they beat Brad, us and Bradley as bad as they did, they're going to score 90 on everybody else in our conference. So, that I think it's, it's a no-brainer they're going to – because Drake isn't as good as they were. And then who else is even a threat to them? If it's not Bradley or Drake and you and I is down – there's no one that even tests them. So they will probably win the league for sure, scoring 85 a game in the league. Uh, and then some of these other games you mentioned, yeah, we thought, because you texted me out of the blue because I was doing something else, and you said Jimerson's shredding Drake as he was. And then they had that big lead at half, and then we kind of knew it was going to falter. Slew played okay at the start of the uh, second half, and then it, it got away. So that, imagine if we beat them by 40, they don't have Mike Meadows or Sincere, and they go into Drake and win. That would have been great. Of course, they couldn't get it done. Other than that, though, the league could have went 0-5 on Wednesday at Valpolus, and everyone else won, but they were really close games. Belmont barely escaped Lipscomb in that battle for Nashville. People were talking highly on Belmont student sections, like what, they show up once a game or once a year when they play Lipscomb. And the Crosstown rivalry. So Lipscomb had just as good a fan base as they did. And then Illinois State held tough against North Kentucky. So it could have been a – and you and I barely won. So they could have went 0-5 that day. And then you're right, UIC's up at halftime right now by 6. And then the games coming up will be interesting. Nevada Drake for sure. Nevada 7-0. Uh, and then you mentioned the team will preview here at the end. The Govs of Austin P. Yeah, host Murray State. Definitely keep an eye out for that one tomorrow. So, yeah, some good games coming up. And then – uh, yeah, Tuesday, there's three games as well. So I mentioned earlier about, because I was looking at uh, what the award is for the top mid-major player in the country is the Lou Henson Award. So keep an eye out that for Xavier Johnson coming up here throughout the season, if he, he could be a whatever for that all year, as we know. Noah, you mentioned some of the nets, of course. Yeah, we we moved up a little bit in the nets. At 79, we're still 108. And Cam Palm, you were reading me some before we – just earlier, you were mentioning about who else is elsewhere. We know Indiana State is so high, top fifteen, borderline in the net. They're ahead of some other elite, elite teams, and obviously Ken Palm and Ned, everything else. We're ahead of a lot of elite teams too. So we're we're doing exactly what we maybe intended to, or even a little exceeding of where we are currently. Clearly, beating the team we did on Tuesday, but even in some of the statistical categories, doing pretty well when you're led by a great player. That's kind of how that happens. 
Uh, we mentioned earlier markets at 33 in Madison Square Garden against um, FAU, who, of course, was the darling last year in the tournament and proceeded to they beat they scored 90 something on them. And Marcus, everyone was talking. We talking about how everyone's talking about X. Everyone's talking about Marcus as well with that monster game he had. They played Tennessee coming up, but uh, 15 of 21 from the field. That's 71 percent, six rebounds. 33 points for Marcus. Again, he was him and Terrence Shannon Jr. Both at 33. They were just dominating. That's and Marcus is now deemed a top two player on Illinois this season. And whether we expected that or not, we knew he'd be a pivotal part. But his trajectory for them has been incredible. He's playing great. And then we mentioned um, Lance with Purdue. The last time we talked about him, he had 17 points against Iowa. That was the last game they still had from Monday. They host Alabama or they're in Toronto, excuse me, in this Hall of Fame series, they play Alabama here, uh, looks like tomorrow at 1230. So, and then they play Arizona. So some big games up there for for Lance and the Boilermakers. Um, and then as we know, as we've said a little bit, let's just go back. Let me search real fast what Foster has been doing for Green Bay. He's really, like I said, the only one that we know Dalton's doing good. We talk about him a decent amount. Uh, but Foster's averaging eight points a game and seven of the nine games played. Not sure why he would have missed those two. They're scoring 63 as a team and 22 minutes a game, averaging those four, two rebounds, and he's shooting 38 from the field. What was that from three? He is shooting um, 30 or 41 from three, 38 overall. So, again, he's a, we know he's a sharpshooter, but when he gets inside the three-point line, for some reason those shots weren't falling. He was good at that when he was here, but – He's the only one we'll update, though. Otherwise, you mentioned the Kim Palm. And then, no, let's, before we dive into this, we'll talk about some smaller things before we talk about Austin Peer at the end. I know we play them on Tuesday. We'll go ahead and talk about them now, besides having a solo episode for them. We'll just knock out the guys, even with they have one team or one game before then. Uh, no, you sent me yesterday or last night the, the documents that you found that involve a lot of people that need waivers and a lot of different players. No, there's one on Jared here that's got plenty of paragraphs to talk about. And lo and behold, right underneath him is football is Noah Finsky. We know the story he's been going with. Uh, but I think the main thing of this, and you can dive into something else that sticks out to you if you read through it a lot as well, was you know how he worked with the Cincinnati compliance staff and everything in preparation to have this waiver of eligibility. But the, the main thing is of all this, they're told, yeah, you'll be able to play if you go a step down or if you leave in general with everything specifically that you have. And, of course, he's told no. And there was a – it said on the first meeting of school, Brian had a meeting with him and let him know his waiver was denied. Uh, it says, quote, he was shocked, upset, and emotional. Being new to the school and having basketball taken from him led to stress and anxiety. There would be many nights that he didn't sleep at all. It made him question if he even wanted to continue playing. And he even had conversations with his coaches about potentially quitting the sport, end quote. I mean, no, as we know, Jarrett's been going through it. That, those quotes right there, I and mean, that is what it does to these athletes when they when they have a case to be able to play and they're not able to. This is what it does to them. And Jarrett was really excited about the Oklahoma State win in the locker room. And we, we asked around and pretty much said the same thing about – Still don't know, and they're working really hard to get this. But no, again, it's Noah Finsky's was pretty intense. And this one, of course, when it does to these guys emotionally, how it is. You, when you send this to me, what else did you take from this? And and just the ridiculousness that it continues to happen with it. We've talked how we don't really need Jarrett right now, but we would love to have him. 
and maybe he plays it by the end of the season. And some people, Adam Miller, who we know bounced around today, found out he got denied. So it's only a matter of time maybe we find out. But what else did you take from this thing that you sent me? Because it's got a lot of good info on here. Yeah, the fact that there's seven different states is put together this lawsuit about different players throughout the country that's been going through this. And the fact that these college athletes, not only in just in basketball, deserve clearer rules and consistently can apply that can make the best decision for their future in these, these idiots that run the NCAA. I I mean, I've been over and over it with the football stuff with Finsky and stuff and the Tez Walker situation. I mean, some of this stuff I just seen while we were that Adam Miller, a former Illinois player, he's transferred different twice and seen, uh, Coach Hurley made a statement about him and just so many different players that's going through it. And the fact that you almost give up the sport that got you to where where you are now is just – it's just hard to do. And the fact that he has the argument we talked about of Cincinnati took his scholarship away. And, I mean, he had no choice. And it's just seeing these seven different states that want to consistently – go at the NCAA and hopefully we can get somewhere with it. Um, I'm trying to think who somebody got their waiver today and is, is eligible to play. I forget off the top of my head, but it's just maybe we can get an answer here soon enough, not only for, I mean, for this team, but there's so many guys out there that are waiting for answers. And obviously it's different sports that we talked about it with football that it's just not like, all right, basketball it's basketball season these guys it's a whole list so there's so many different people who are in line and waiting for the verdict of Jarrett just waiting for him I think it was just looking back now it was Akron's Ali Ali who he's a two-time transfer previously played for at Akron and Butler and he's back at Akron he got finally his appeal got accepted today so he's eligible now so it's just one of those things where i don't know exactly and we reached out and they didn't want to comment so it's just one of those things where where it's a waiting game and we thought we would potentially know by now but we figured if he was gonna get get his eligibility to play this year it was going to be conference season no matter what that's true and i guess that's how we should look at it is if he's able to play for conference that's because we've gotten through a lot of the t- – and we still have some tough non-con games to go, no doubt about it. But obviously we know conference play is the ever most important. Uh, so if we get them back for that, then that obviously helps. So we need to tread water here and continue doing what we're doing and then maybe get them back because that is all we can. He's not going to come back at non-con. It would have to be conference. But, uh, again, we didn't even really know this until he got interviewed by Luke before the season started, one of the last ones to get interviewed, and he mentioned it there. And then all of a sudden we knew about it. So even though we had it in the back of our mind, of course. And, you know, Adam Miller, he's been – he was at Illinois and then LSU and now Arizona State. So, yeah, dude, you're just bouncing around. Like yours is, of course, going to get – it's just different. You mentioned we did hear about – Jarrett, you know, even we know maybe his dad and some people were on, on Facebook and others making comments on how he got his way as his scholarship taken away, as you said. It's like, what what are like the other specifics with that? Is that his doing? Is that the schools? Like, 
how what like what even is the deal here with that? So again, everybody's is different, but Adam Miller just bounces around and wants to play and say, no, okay, I can understand why his gets denied, but others are different. And we're hoping and we're and we thought Jarrett's was, but again, if it's if it's conference season, that's that's great. Just again, reading some of this stuff is is crazy because he uh it just says he came here because they promote a family environment that makes him feel comfortable as he knew he could make an impact and play on the SA team. SA was the right place for him as a student and an athlete. And it says he ultimately decided to stay at SIU and see the waiver process through process and the decision looms over him every day. He struggles knowing that his season is in the hands of someone else and that he cannot do anything about it. So again, that's what everyone's going through and it's sad. So that got, I'm glad you sent that to me yesterday. So we wanted to dive into that because we, even before you sent this to me, we reached out to somebody and wanting to, uh, you know, at, you know, because it is to that point, we just keep seeing them. It's like, God, this team could be even better with them. So it's all accumulation here that's been coming up. So hopefully, hopefully we know more down the road and he gets played in conference season. But that's that. No, let's segue to what we knew about going into this game about the vision for SIU athletics. And it is a 2020 or 2030 strategic plan by the athletics called Saluki's Unleashed Imagine. It is a they want to have a hundred million dollar revenue and enhancement plan called that. They gave out shirts before the game on Tuesday night. It's a 10 year initiative, includes plans for fundraising and other revenue source increases. The plan centers around facility upgrades and enhancement of the Saluki Athletics footprint on campus. This is most notably what we're talking about on the obviously we want to talk about for the whole school purpose. For basketball, because it's saying they're going to make they're going to get a basketball practice facility, which only benefits men's and women's basketball, but all allow uh, obviously volleyball to regularly play in the Banterra Center. And they said how they want to do renovations. It said upgrades to Lingle Hall, which is attached to Banterra Center, as we know, with the weight room, et cetera, and the locker rooms, Charlotte West Stadium, and stuff. But they said they want to renovate Banterra as well. So all that will come in the next ten years. That comes with needing a hundred million dollars to do it through every which way they do it. You know, they have been in touch with us alumni about just things in general, giving back all the time. So it's, it's a big old thing that comes, but no, clearly this, this is the kind of stuff that makes you a top notch program, of course, in the mid major ranks. And we see other, uh, you know, other people around the Valley, like Bradley and a lot of other teams that have a practice facility because their home arena is like a concert venue. It has all these events and that's what they're trying to do with Banterra center now to where we're going to end up getting all this. And, no, they're doing the same with football and indoor football practice facility with locker rooms right next in that grass area by the stadium and all this stuff. No, I mean, this is exactly what we want to see. And I think the guys in charge have done an incredible job of doing this and making this happen, changing the course of SIU forever. Noah, your thoughts on this? Because this is a this is a very big deal for the next 10 years. Yeah, it's definitely I think it's definitely a very, very bold and impressive thing that they're going to try to do here. Um, I would maybe assume that it includes a little bit of NIL money. Maybe I'm not sure about that. It didn't say anything about that, but just seeing some of the rend renderings, I mean, having a golf practice facility and stuff, a new stadium for Sluky women's soccer, who has struggled out of the gate since we got it. I mean, maybe that helps in recruiting or something like that. Then enhancing baseball, the clubhouse and training, then obviously getting them little upgrades, the Lingle Hall, Bentera Center, Charlotte, and Shane Auditorium. I mean, getting that. Plus, I mean, the indoor practice facility, the rendering of it, it literally looks like a barn. I'm not sure exactly how they say that is indoors, but it looks like 
it's pretty open to me. So maybe that's just some rendering and it's not going to end up looking like that, but definitely, like I said, it's, it's impressive and a hundred million dollars is a lot of money. And just the Saluki way project. I mean, that kind of put this university in a big hole so far. And I'm pretty sure we're still paying that off. So like by 2030, I mean, seven years from now, hundred million dollars is a lot of money, but it's definitely impressive to take a next step for this university. Yeah. Some of this has been, whether they want to do it all at once, which it appears that's what they're wanting to do in this decade, that we know that Banteras needed some touch-ups and Lingo Hall for sure. It's an old place. They said it's like 60 years old and stuff. And, you know, just in general, if you wanted to do a little bit at a time, the fact that, again, they're wanting to – and it's all going to – it's not going to all be built at the same time. It's going to be like throughout the 10 years. But that's the buildup of the money. And I guess it, it takes the 10 years to get the $100 million, and then that's when you get it. They already have the architecture and stuff like that. Um, it's just really cool. And, again, it's it's all from Tim Leonard and Chancellor Lane. Some quotes here real fast. Chancellor Lane said, quote, Saluki Athletics showcases some of the best of SIU. It's the way many of our alumni and friends connect with our university. When the Salukis win, we all win, end quote. Tim Leonard said, the athletic department has already invested in this mission. We have replaced scoreboards in many venues, including the Jumbotron, the Ben Terrison, and Saluki Baseball is getting new turf and fencing. We are moving forward with these and many other plans. He said, these state-of-the-art facilities will allow us to reach our maximum potential while recruiting players, hiring coaches, and maintaining championship-caliber programs. And there's another big quote as well. So he said, the future belongs to those who dream big, and no one is dreaming bigger than Saluki Athletics and SIU right now. So, again, as alumni and as super fans of this, whether it's within 10 years or not, clearly it just is the next step for what, you know – it comes with the winning and everything like that. It comes, you know, obviously that's just on top of it all. Like you want to do all that on, on top of it. And we said how our facilities are really good already. We're able to lure players for those reasons as well. Um, but obviously this will take it to the next step in the next in the next decade or more. So all that stuff will change the trajectory of this for the foreseeable future. You mentioned the football. I think that's just to show the goalposts inside. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be open. That would be that would defeat the purpose totally. So I don't know if it's like a, a door they can open and close potentially or something. I don't think it's going to be open like that again. That wouldn't really make much sense. I think they wanted to show that. But, uh, again, we wanted to mention this. It's a big deal. Again, in terms of what basketball is, renovations to Banterra and Lingo and a practice, basketball practice facility. It's really, really cool. They – they posted all this, we retweeted it, they showed it. You guys can go look at the vision, what they have, and what it's going to look like when it comes. So really, really cool. Of course, wanted to talk about this for that vision for the next 10 years. Uh, uh, Chicago State is not going to be independent. Starting next season, they're going to move to the Northeastern Conference. The NEC going to be the only – definitely the only Midwest team. Everyone else is, of course, on the Eastern. So they're going to finally join a conference next season. No more independence for Chicago State in 2024. We'll see if we schedule them again next year. We do every year. Every Valley team does. And with all that being said, a lot of good stuff we've had to this point. Again, the game's on Tuesday, but let's go ahead and knock it out now. They do have one game remaining between now and then. Let's talk about the Gubs of Austin P. They were a team that coming in the offseason we were interested in because it's like, go get these teams that are stacking up in the portal that are going to have a chance to win their conference. And no, I don't think the trajectory the Gubs are on now, their non-con hasn't been the best. Who knows what they can do in their conference? What conference is that? If you had where they were picked and what they've been doing so far this season, and then dive into their personnel. We know a lot of their players. 
Yeah, definitely a team we have followed really closely. I mean, a team that's in the Atlantic Sun now, um, obviously with a new coach this year and following what they've done uh, so far isn't very impressive, but looking, obviously their new coach, um, looking at him, came from Missouri State, went down to Northwestern State as head coach. Now he's back at his alma mater. Uh, just a lot of transfers he's added to this team this year and a lot of guys like you said we're familiar with demarcus sharp was at missouri state got a foot injury went down to northwestern state had an incredible year thought he'd go higher but he followed his coach um another guy jamonte black was at missouri state went to northwestern state following him around um jonathan dunn was a missouri state guy followed him around as well same as isaac haney um the other guys we know cy witt uh, we saw him last year. Played for University of Lincoln, or Lincoln University of Missouri. Played him last year, six eight grad student. Um, then a lot of other guys we know. Desi Jones, we were in on him in the portal. Quinnipiac transfer. Uh, Anton Brookshire, he's an Iona transfer. Then Hansel Emanuel came from the one arm player um, that out of high school had really Memphis offers and stuff like that. So you know him pretty well, Nick. Uh, but followed him to Northwestern State. Then a guy we really wanted from same guy, same town we followed as Jamal Tatum from Jefferson City, Missouri. Desmond White committed to George Mason, but ends up decommitting and going to Austin P. Off to a, a weird start. We'll follow their game pretty closely uh, against Murray State. But four and six. I mean. No really no impressive wins so far. Losses got blown out by George Mason by twenty-two. Lost to UTEP by eight in their MT in the SoCal Challenge. Also lost to lost by twenty to App State. Lost to Moorhead State by eleven. Lost to Tennessee State by four. So um definitely gonna be following their home game against Murray State. Um they got a really tough stretch here. They're going Murray State at home, at us, at Western Kentucky, Ohio at home. Then they go at Memphis. So they got a tough schedule. They've played a pretty decent schedule, but their wins are over nobody. So um, 0-4 on the road, 3-1 and at home. They're 1-1 on neutral court. But a lot of guys, I mean, they're led by DeMarcus Sharp, obviously, Jamonte Black, then Des White, the true freshman. Um, pretty good basketball players. I mean, going to be fun – Fun to see where we match up. They don't play a lot of size. I mean, like I said, the the Wick guy six eight. Um, other than that, uh, they have a they have a seven footer or seven three guy. I don't know if he's hurt, but he's a senior. Followed him from Northwestern State. Jordan Wilmore doesn't even play. Um, they play some other guys, but six eight's really the biggest they play. So good matchups for Clarence and Scotty stuff like that, but. Definitely a talented basketball team, but just struggling to put it all together. That's what it is right there. You just said it, I think. I mean, if you have talent at guard play and you're not very big, you have a certain skill, and it doesn't seem they're meshing well. But Sharp and Black have played together before, as you said. I mean, forget how tall somebody – I mean, we just said it earlier that Jamonte Black 6'4". It's like, when was that? I thought, I always thought he was like 6'1 or something. He might have hit a growth spurt. But those guys are scoring like they – I mean, DeMarcus Sharp, did he He won – he had – I think he won player of the year at Northwestern State's – I don't even know. He had an amazing year. And, and yeah, comes here, 
able to play. He's, he's got eight rebounds and five assists. I mean, he's leading them in almost every category besides blocks. So that Hansel Manuel, yeah, with one arm is leading them in blocks. It's barely over one. So it seems like they're a team that might lack discipline, just wants to get a lot of shots up. I mean, let's see here. They, they, they do score – 68 but they allow 65 which i guess in a sense they use their athleticism to not let teams score as much they do rebound more than we do in terms of that so again that athleticism is to their advantage they shoot 43 percent from the field they do get nine steals a game so again they they're kind of that pesky team but they do have that talent they will hit a lot of shots uh but as you said i mean a lot of players we were either in on or know about for sure we really wanted desmond white and we're devastated with the George Mason and they have to then find his way here. Again, we talked about him before. It's like, it'd be cool to have a team like this. We kind of paralleled them with like an Arkansas state who gets a lot of portal guys. It's like those, those teams that have a chance in their conference, let's go play. Got Austin P. And again, their conference season hasn't started. We'll see how they are. And then I want to say, I'd give them a decent chance in the ACE with a lot of teams there. Queens is in there as well and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, haven't beat anybody. You're right. This gauntlet they have coming up, they will struggle in and, we should take care of business against them. That's the advantage they might have on us is X dealing with all these guys. We trust again if we're doing things we liked against Oklahoma State players, we like it against anybody else the rest of the way. Even with the the town of these guys, whether that's X, Trent, Garden guys, Kennard in there as well, we won't see AJ. And then you just kind of factor in everything else. Yeah, our bigs should have a big game. And Jonathan Dunn, yeah, like Tim with Missouri State left. All these guys. Six states as big as they're going to get. We definitely need to take advantage of that. So, um, no, as typical, I mean, I can see us being a pretty, pretty heavy uh, favorite in this game. I'm thinking over 10 points, around 10 points. Uh, again, if this team goes in there and shoot the lights out, no matter how great we've been at home and shooting, we have to match them if they get those kind of opportunities. But, no, if you were to eye a spread for this game, would you think it's around 10 or more? And then, as the usual, you're – your dogs of the game, and if you, you can dive into matchups if you want. I have that on here. But dogs of the game, and then what you think, who comes out on top, I think I have an idea who you're going to pick. Yeah, definitely think it'll be a pretty hefty spread. Uh, Austin P is a three-point underdog at home against not a very good Murray State team. So I think it definitely be probably around 12 and a half, 13 points pretty easily. Um I think it'll be a closer game than that potentially, but unless we just shoot like we did um, two games ago. So I think it definitely be, uh, if I'm going dog of the game, I mean, absolutely we're excluding X unless it's a big game from all pretty much dog of the games. Dogs of the game so far, but um, if I were to pick a good one, I think it's, I think I'm going to go with Jovan Stulich off the bench to get some points off the bench and just to help contribute, get to rebounds, because he's been pretty steady so far. I think this is a matchup where he can come in and give them some problems. Yeah, for sure. The stocky, bigger guard that they really would have a tough time guarding, and we don't expect us to shoot as well as we continue to, but it's going to take us a tick down, whether that's everything involved that we've said in this and this recap, it's going to go down a little bit. Hopefully it's not in this game, because, again, Austin Peay can put up those shots and kind of match – I like your pick. I'm going to go with Kennard. You know, again, yeah, it is easy to go with X or even Trent when we play a, a, against a bunch of good guards. If we put Kennard on 
Jamonte Black, I think that's a, just a really good matchup. He can play with that confidence and do good things as well. So, again, we could go with bigs as well. We can go a lot with people, and I agree with you. It's a little over 10, I'd say. So, it's a game that will be here before we know it. We hate having the, the, the seven days or six whatever days in between games, but it gives us rest. They were mentioning how we wanted this for, for schooling and stuff to build up for this. We know, again, we're not one of the teams that played two conference games. Us and UIC play at the end of the month. So, continues the, the gauntlet sort of of this non-con. It's getting a little easier. We got through a lot of the tough games, but we can't look past anybody. We need to keep winning these home games as Again, they're doing all the discounts for all these tickets. Everybody needs to continue to come out for these games. Uh, show support of this team that's on a good trajectory. If they just keep taking care of business on X's shoulders and win these home games. So Tuesday, again, we'll be here before we know it. Looking forward to the interesting matchup with the Govs of Austin P. Tuesday evening, we'll see everybody there. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, go dogs.